Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Every day here on the I Work For Him program, it is our desire to challenge the way you think about your faith and work. And today, today we're going to shift it a little bit further. We're talking today about the biblical principles of finance or the biblical principles of money. And we're, and we're talking with a fellow talk show host who just started a show in the beginning of June. We have joining us today, Chris Brown, with his new radio program called True Stewardship, and where he's joining us the show today from Nashville, as is all the famous people in Christendom that are in that are stars in radio and music, they all live in Nashville, because apparently that's just where you live. Chris Brown, welcome to the I Work for Him program. Oh, thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate it. You know, I, I love Nashville. It's a great place to visit, but. Your traffic there is just as bad as the traffic here in Tampa Bay, and it's still it snows there, but not enough to make it really nice. And it's hot there, but there's no water to cool down. With. I don't know. It's nice, but I know, and I know you're there serving with Dave Ramsey, so you had to move there. But did you always live in Nashville? No, no. I only lived here for about a year and a half, and uh, actually, I I think it's amazing. I love it, and I get to avoid the traffic, so maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I like it. Maybe that's what it is. Where'd you move to Nashville from? Uh, from Miami. Oh well, of course. Then, of course, the traffic yep. in Nashville is not near as bad as Miami. And, and exactly. so, are you bilingual? If you moved from Miami, were you bilingual? Is that how you coped down there? 
No, not so much. Not so much. Uh, un poquito, and speak a little bit of Spanish. Yeah, wow. Okay, I wanted to, I wanted to read a verse of Scripture to get us started today. From First mm-hmm. Timothy six seventeen through 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of of that which is truly life. Each and every day, you get to speak truth into people on your show, True Stewardship. Let's just talk about how Christ is making an impact on your life today, because you don't ever get to get interviewed on the air. So people don't know you as well as people are going to know you at the end of the day show. So how's Christ making an impact in your life today, Chris? Yeah, probably the biggest verse that uh, God's been slapping me upside the head with uh, recently is Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And we're in this first month of launch, and there's a lot of energy and excitement and uh, a lot of... um, just a lot of uh, festivities around the launch. It's been a lot of fun, um, but it all goes back to the fact that I get to uh, serve people and I get to love people, and this is the way that I get to express love is to help people in this area of their life. And uh, so through all of the distractions and all the things that happen with the great radio launch, um, just to remember that, that this is just it's, just, it's serving people and pastoring people and shepherding people to scale. And the radio is just a great medium to be able to do that. Now, had you ever done radio before this show? Yeah, I've you know, been on radio shows um, quite a bit, but not hosted my own. No, for sure not. Well, and you and you try to pack as much, you, because you, uh, I believe you're, you pre-record your shows, don't you? Correct. So you are able to pack in a lot, because I love it. I mean, you're getting phone calls and emails and and. and Everything and I don't know if you're getting text messages, but you're packing in a lot of stuff, and that and, and it's really like 25 minutes or something. It's it is action packed. I love the way you roll from one thing to the next to the next, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you're really doing a great job. It is it is going very smoothly, and I, it's very enjoyable to listen to. I mean, it really is. Well, thank you. We've got an incredible team here at Ramsey Solutions, and of course, they've got 20 plus years of experience, and there's. A senior producer, Blake Thompson, is involved in it. And, um, you know, being mentored by Dave and by Dave Ramsey and the team has just been a tremendous honor and a privilege. That probably helps a little bit because Dave Ramsey is a marketing genius and he is very good on the radio. So it's, it's, that would be nice. I would love to have been mentored by Dave Ramsey. All right. So we're talking today with Chris Brown, who's got a new radio program here in Tampa Bay called True Stewardship. Chris Brown's True Stewardship. So talk to me about how did you get connected with Dave Ramsey? How did you make that you moved last year, 2014, up to Nashville to be part of his team? How did that happen? Yeah, so I'm a pastor, and I've been pastoring for the last seven years. Uh, before that, I was in real estate. But um, in 2008, uh, you know, I was tapped on the shoulder by a pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina, and said, hey, listen, I see the call of God in your life for full-time ministry. And so we began looking into that, and, um, you know, he took me under his wing and discipled me and, and took me around to other churches, and we kind of learned together. And um, I was ordained in 2008, and so as a pastor, a campus pastor, and uh, ended up growing into a multi-site pastor and a executive pastor and ended up being a chief financial officer at a, at a large church in Miami. And uh, just really, really love the local church. It's God's plan A. It's the hope of the world. It's the bride of Christ. 
And uh, throughout my journey, I've, I've always been marked as somebody who loves stewardship, uh, who loves uh, numbers and, um, and, and the real definition of stewardship, not fundraising, but uh, managing God's blessings, God's way for God's glory. Uh, financial discipleship. And so I love those things, and uh, so obviously so does Ramsey Solutions. So it was, a, it was a, obviously a fit. Uh, we had a mutual friend that kind of connected us, and uh, obviously there was a lot of people that were, were um, interested in this particular role. But, um, you know, through about a four- to six-month process, uh, we decided to move forward. Well, I think Dave made a great choice because it really, it, it seems very natural to you on the air and it really does flow. As you answer very similar to questions that Dave answers on his show, but you're able to put a, a completely biblical background to every answer because people understand they're calling a show where the host has a biblical worldview and the scripture is going to be involved in the answer. And, and that's what I've seen each and every day. Yeah, and that's the heartbeat of it. The heartbeat is that they would call and you know, uh, Dave's show, just the dynamics of it and what he, what he can do and what he can't do on there, it's, it's biblically centered. Yes, it um, is. You know, bi- there's a biblically based, I should say. But for us, it's biblically focused. Uh, we can really spend some time on leading out with the Scripture first and then uh, further explaining it. But for him, it's the biblical concept, but not necessarily bringing out the Bible with every call. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, so talk to me about where did the name come from? come from true stewardship chris brown's true stewardship where'd it come from <laughs> several years ago uh dave had a passion and, and the, the operating board here had a passion to reclaim the word stewardship we felt like um that word is kind of it's kind of a stale word and it's been misrepresented as a fundraising or and lately it's been recycling and um taking care of the environment and that's just not what it is uh, stewardship you know, is actually a term that's, um, you know, all the way back from the uh, medieval days, actually when the King James Version of the Bible was written, that's where steward comes from. And it was a manager of a lord, lowercase l, that was, uh, you know, managed a like a three-county area. They called it a realm at the time. And his number two was a manager, and he was called a steward. That's where that name comes from. So stewardship is managing the lord's stuff, uh, his way and for his glory. And so that's what we are. We're entrusted uh, to be able to manage all these things in our lives. Uh, Psalm 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So if we're not the owner, we're the manager. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says that those who have been entrusted to be managers must prove faithful. And so I've, I've given my life to helping people. And what does that look like? Not just with finances, but what does your parenting look like? Your marriage, your leadership, your energy, your time, uh, your personal development. What do all those things look like when you're managing them God's way and for God's glory? Well, I, that's, I, love, I love that. True stewardship. That makes more sense. That's what I wanted to hear. And, and so someday you can just take these blips out of this radio program and I'll upload it to you so you can put that and put it on your site because that's a total explanation because you're right. People have misused that word stewardship within the church for a lot of years. And, and it, the teaching of the biblical principles of finance and money and how we handle money and possessions, it has been lost. And, and you know, Crown Ministries started with it years ago and Dave kind of took what they were doing and really made it explode across the country and it was so, it's so fantastic to see how that has grown and impacted thousands of churches and people I mean you I talked I my wife and I are the old people in a young marriage class we're not that old but they're just really young married and and they've all gone they all they all know Dave Ramsey's snowball 
They, they all understand the debt snowball. They all understand they, they've gotten a picture because of Dave Ramsey, and it's, um, it's great that you were able to join his team. You mentioned yeah, we're, some, we're real, Go ahead. Well, we're real passionate about this. I mean, we're, we're so passionate about this that we've actually uh, bought the URL, stewardship.com. And it's funny because we bought it from a fundraising organization, and we're trying to make sure that there's nothing wrong with fundraising, but if your fundraising is expediting developing people and financial discipleship, then that's a problem. Um, the fundraising should be after that, like you discipled the heart first. And so we've got stewardship.com uh, for the pew, and we've got stewardshipcentral.org for the pulpit, and so it's for more church leaders. But both of those websites are great resources. When you had that pastor recognize that you had a calling in your life for full-time ministry, did it? had anybody ever talked to you about the fact that every Christ follower has a calling on their life for full-time ministry? It doesn't matter what they're doing, whether they're a radio talk show host or a pastor or a CFO or a ditch digger. That, did anybody ever help make, connect those dots for you, or was his impression, well, you needed to be a pastor? Yeah, actually, that that had been because before that I was a real estate broker and I was very faithful with that uh, with that uh, workplace. And um, for me, I was serving people. I was helping people get into their first home, making their dreams come true, and uh, helping them in that way. And what he was referring to as vocational, this is where you're going to get your paycheck from. Uh, he wasn't underselling any other kind of uh, serving and full time service. He's just saying, I really see. Um, the calling on your life to to be involved in the local church on a on a full time paycheck basis, but that's more of what he was referring to, the pastoral side of it. Well, it's great that he helped recognize that in you and help mentor that in you and, and to really feed into you. That was a great thing. It's always great to have other people come alongside of us and help help us to become who God in, it created us to be. And that was that was such a privilege for somebody to do that for you. I just I always jump on that hot button because this show is all about trying to connect people, connect their faith to the workplace because so many people have segmented their lives and say, well, my faith really doesn't apply Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Mm-hmm. And, and, so we're, and we're trying to get people just back connected and to recognize that the ministry that they have in their workplace, it, they actually have more exposure to pre-Christians than the typical pastor. And that yeah. they need to be equipped to be able to share the gospel in many different ways in the workplace. And so it is, uh, that's why I asked that question, because a lot of people don't, when they hear that, they think, oh, so the only true calling is a pastor. Like, no, 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 no. I, and exactly. I figured that's what you yeah. meant, but I want to just clarify yeah. it. So, sorry. And I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Cause my number one frustration as a pastor was the fact that so many people had great intentions. They wanted to do a lot for Christ in their workplace. They wanted to go and and be the church, not just go to church, but be the church. But they couldn't because they're so hamstrung by their finances. And so uh, that was my number one frustration is they'd say they wanted to do things and they didn't. It's not because they were bad people. These are great people, but they just couldn't do it. And so I love the fact of making sure that everyone knows that they do have a calling in their workplace, not just on Sundays, but I want to make sure that they're equipped to do that. Yeah, I love that. All right, so your show right now is only 30 minutes. You desperately need more time to answer all the questions. I mean, you cram in so much stuff in that 30 minutes. So is this just like a testing of the waters? Are you gonna, do you got a plan to grow it so you can you know, compete with your boss three hours a day? <laughs> well, of course, the, the goal is to expand and reach as many people as possible. We want to make sure that we uh, have as much. Imp- when I wake up in the morning, I'm, uh, my first thought is, how can I make a difference? And, and of course, if that, that can be done over more stations or more time on the current stations. Uh, regardless, we want to expand. How that looks, well, we have no idea. But uh, this is kind of what God has us doing right now. 
and we're trying to be good stewards of those 25 minutes. Oh, I, and you guys are doing great. The way you cram in phone calls and emails and text messages and get people's answers, you get them to be succinct, and you get to be get the answers to be succinct. It's very, very good. I, I love it. People can find out more about your show right on stewardship.com, right? Slash show. I think that's they where I can. found it. Okay, so stewardship.com. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and just currently right there on the main page, we have it, you know, because we're still in launch month, uh, you know, we have it very accessible. So just right there, stewardship.com, and everything you need to know is right there on the front. So were you there for the Ice Bucket Challenge, Chris? Were you part of that 400 people standing in the background when they did the Ice Bucket Challenge? Yeah, I sure was. I was right behind Dave, and we all got soaked at the same time. That was that was quite the spectacle. I really enjoyed that. I, I never realized how big the organization was until I saw all of those people. That was a lot. Hey, it's time for our book highlight segment, but I want you to help me out with this today because we're going to highlight the Total Money Makeover, which is really what has made Dave Ramsey famous and really what has made the principle, the biblical principles of finance famous in Christian and non-Christian households across the country and probably in many places around the world. Our book highlight segment is brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. We'll send you a copy of Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. And that's only because, Chris, you haven't written a book yet. Otherwise, I would be highlighting your book. <laughs> Well, just give me some time. Give me some time. I've been busy. Well, I figured you've been busy. I know what it's like to set up a radio show. I do one five days a week, so I, I totally get it. So talk to me about the Total Money Makeover. What's it all about? You get 30 yeah, seconds. Go ahead. Yep. Incredible <laughs> incredible book. Uh, almost approaching 5 million copies sold. Uh, you know, Several years on the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, it puts together a plan, a step-by-step plan. We call it the Baby Steps. And there's seven total steps, and it walks you through financial freedom. So wherever you're at in your journey, whether you're neck deep in debt or maybe you're out of debt and you're experiencing a new level of wealth, it helps you through how to process that, how, what to do, in what order, and it, it walks you into financial freedom. All right. So, call. we've got one caller already on the line getting a copy. Well, you're going to have to wait for him to hang back up. And we've got another line opening up. Andrea's standing by. Call the studio line right now, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And remember, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we're back live talking with Chris Brown with his talking about his new radio program right here in Tampa Bay and around the country, Chris Brown's True Stewardship. And the impact it's going to make is going to be huge. You've been on the air an entire month now, haven't you? I have, yep. How many cities are you in around the country? 20, uh, all the way from uh, Seattle all the way down to you guys in Tampa. And, uh, of course, we've got a podcast as well, and that podcast is uh, doing a lot better than we thought it would do. So it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. It is a lot of fun. Now, someday we're going to get you doing live commercials like I just had to do, because this is all live here. I don't get to pre-record anything. I could, but it's not near as much fun. I I love the pressure (laughs) of the live radio. People need to hear the real story behind radio talk show hosts. And because you pack so much into your 25 minutes, people will get to know who you are personally. And I figured you had a great story. And so I wanted people just to get to know Chris Brown, because... How you influence people is so important. And Dave Ramsey gets three hours a day to tell people about who he is. I mean, everybody's heard about how he's a realtor and how he did this. and I mean, people know his story, but people yeah, don't know yeah. who you are. You're that unknown quantity, and, and you came out of nowhere and swooped right into 20 cities across the country. So people needed to hear about it, and that's what I wanted to ask. Are, are, are you married with kids? 
I am, yeah. I've been married for 15 years and uh, three kids. They're 10, 9, and 6. And um, their names are Max, Jack, and Annie. And I tell people all the time that, um, you know, I'm maxed out and jacked up pretty much <laughs> most of the time. That's for sure. <laughs> I bet you are. And you're just getting ready to head into those more exciting years. So that's, that's awesome. It, it, is a, uh, it is an awesome privilege to be a father and a husband. Congratulations on 15 years. Uh, my kids are now all grown and gone. We had kids early, and so they're gone. I'm not even 50 yet, and I'm an empty nester. And it's very quiet at my house. I recommend you keep having children until you can no longer have them because it's so quiet. I miss my kids. It's just, <laughs> I know my wife didn't want to have any more, but I, I just, I, it's not that I want to, we get along fantastic. We just celebrated 29 years, but I, I just, I miss having kids around. It's just so yeah. quiet. But I, I work, and all I do is I work more. That's all I do. I work more on the radio stuff. All right. So let's talk about your approach. You cram into 25 minutes, five or six different conversations with people, either from email or text messages or phone calls. What made you decide to take that approach? And, and you're pre recording it so you can get all that done and pack it all in. What made you guys decide to do that approach versus the live show approach? I think people, you know, receive a lot of information today in a lecture format, and I think people want to hear um, real life um, situations. They want to they want to hear real life pain. They want to hear real life celebrations, real life um, victories. And I think there's a lot of encouragement in that, and um, I just think it brings the concept, whatever we happen to be talking about. Maybe it's saving. Maybe it's investing. Uh, maybe it's budgeting, and it just brings it to life. And so if you're going to do that and you're going to open up the mic, well, you've got to be really intentional about making sure that uh, <laughs> that everything is distinct and you, and, you, and you steward everyone's time. You said it very carefully. When you open up the mic, you have to be very careful. And very intentional. That there is no question about that. Uh, and it's and it's fun. But you know what I what I love? Are you you know right from the get go? You had great response. Are you surprised at how widespread the response has been to your show? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Yes, because you know nobody knows me. Um, but we let out with all of our marketing that we let out with the need. The need is financial education and empowerment and encouragement. So it was less. It's less about me. It was less about me, and it still is less about me. The bottom line is, is that this idea of helping people with their finances it, it is the number one need that's out there. And so, if the need's huge, then that's why I'm not surprised that the the response has been so amazing. Well, and debt really is such a big roadblock in people's lives, and it does. My wife and I do marriage mentoring on the side. That that is our ministry that we. Just it's our passion to help people stay married, and debt is such causes such an erosion in relationships. And I love what you said on the air today. You said well, you got to just get after that debt. You just got to get after it. I love that. Now, if you were a true Southerner, though, you'd have had some other funky way to say that. I, I, I there's probably some really fun way to say that. You said it kind of in a Northerner conservative way. Yeah, you just got to get after it. There's probably you're gonna have to. You live in Tennessee now. There's probably you find a way to say that in a cool Tennessee way. That's right. Dave's working with me. He's 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 doing the uh, country training. Yeah, that's right. And you are because you are in the you are in the heart of that. It's sophisticated country yeah. though in Nashville. It's sophisticated country. Hey, and, and just something I was also listening to your show today. There was a guy in Orlando who was saying, "Hey, I want to sell my house. It's it's a more expensive house, and I want to move into a less expensive house." And you were talking about swings in real estate. You lived in Miami, and I know they had swings in real estate, Miami. But boy, in Central Florida, right over to Tampa Bay, we saw fifty-five percent swing in real estate values. Yeah, Florida got hit. You know, anywhere around water or near water had the most amount of inflation 
And so because it had the most amount of inflation, it had the most amount of deflation. Whew, so, I'll tell you, I live near the yeah. beach, across the street from the beach, in Indian Rocks Beach, and it, 55%, we saw our house values correct that much. It was mm. unbelievable. And they're not near recovered. In some areas, it's recovered. I know in the Midwest, I've got family up in Minneapolis-St. Paul. They recovered, and they're beyond it already. Ours aren't even close. So it's, mm. it's, it's interesting. But let's talk about some of the subjects you've hit on. A couple weeks ago, you had somebody call in and ask you the question on, hey, should I be tithing on my gross or tithing on my net? And I loved that conversation. Yeah, you know, that's actually, tithing has probably been the number one uh, topic that people have either emailed in or or called about. And I was kind of shocked by that. But as I dig dig into these phone calls, what I'm finding is we're asking the wrong question. I think many folks are asking the question, how much do I have to tithe? And the question should be, how much do I get to tithe? Right. Um, foundationally, there's a how much can I get away with tithing? We're just forgetting who owns it all, and that we we're being entrusted to be able to manage it. And you know, theologians can go back and forth for days, for months, for years about the arguments on either side, gross or net. And where I end up on this is if I'm going to be wrong when I'm looking Jesus in the face one day, I want to be wrong on the gross side. So as far as me and my family, we do gross. Deuteronomy says net increase. Now, whether you say that's before taxes or after taxes, there's a big debate on that. Um, and you know, and then you talk about Malachi chapter three verse ten about make sure you tie the local storehouse. Then you got Matthew twenty three twenty three in the New Testament, where Jesus, you know, and I made sure I said New Testament because there's a lot of folks out there that think it's an Old Testament thing. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, "Hey, make sure that um, that you're still tithing." You know, he says to do the former and don't. Um, he says, do the latter and don't ignore the former in that verse. And he's referring to the tithe. And so we need to be tithing. People need to understand that the whole value behind tithing is, is so that our stuff doesn't become our God. And, that, and yeah. God was just trying to protect us from, from that attachment that, that Jesus talks so much about money and possessions because he understood it was the number one competitor for our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I had, a, I had a, my, one of my spiritual mentors when I was in my early 20s, I asked him that question, the tithe on gross versus net. And he goes, Jim, do you get to take advantage of those things that those taxes represent? Of course, back then I thought I'd still get Social Security, but now I know I won't. And I said, well, yeah, I do. I mean, the federal taxes and state tax in Minnesota, we had state tax. And I said, yeah, of course I do. I mean, a small percentage, but yeah, of course I do. He goes, well, then then you should be tithing on what you get to take advantage of. And oh, it was good. that I loved that because it, because it was yep. true. And in Minnesota, they had great highways, great parks. I'm thinking, okay, my state dollars go to hard work, and the federal dollars used to be more efficiently spent. Today, we spend more on interest than anything else. But I do get to take advantage of things in our country and and so yeah. yeah that's why i did it so i i thought that was a great one you 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 had a blog i read one of your blogs and it was about some guy asking about a, a pretty little red cadillac cts oh and, and you don't put remind it, me no it was but i loved your response I, I suppose you got a lot of garbage from people about that but <laughs> but but you answered hey it's okay to have nice things so why don't you take that yeah. a little further because because i'm sure especially because you said a cadillac you know if you just said a nice little red little lexus people don't seem to take near as much offense to a lexus as they do a cadillac but anyway yeah actually you know what that blog that i wrote it that was a, a blog about me uh, it was my red cadillac cts and it was i bought it back in um i forget the year but i bought it at a carmax and um took it home and uh, went to uh, work the next day, and I felt guilty getting in it. I, I was like, this is way too nice of a car for me. But I could afford it. 
and and and, I'm, and it was and it, it looked like it was about forty grand, but it was only worth seventeen. But it made complete sense in my budget. And but I felt guilty, and I actually took it back the next day. I had forty eight hours to return it, and I took it back, and I'm still upset that I returned that car. <laughs> you can it, go it, buy it, another it was, one. Go buy yeah, an- like what? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm sitting with a 2005 Buick Rendezvous with 139,000 miles. Oh, that's on it. just embarrassing. Seriously, that's an embarrassing car. That yeah, that car was uh, a car trying to figure out what it was. The only thing worse than the Rendezvous was the Aztec, the Pontiac Aztec that they were made yeah. right alongside each other. A Buick exactly. Rendezvous, but then they got a good engine. Okay, but but what's what's funny is I, I went through a similar experience in 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 the '90s and early 2000s. My wife and I ran an insurance agency chain, and during the summertime, I drove a 1984 Pontiac Firebird. I paid two grand for it. Gotcha. And I drove that and at T tops and I drove it in the summertime. People always look different at me because I drove a sports car. It was a two thousand yep. dollar car. But, yep. but people yep. did. I once bought a Lexus and I sold it in a month because I couldn't stand the looks I got because and, and I paid cash for my cars. You know. Right. And, but people do. They do. They judge you by the cars you drive and they think that it's not okay to have nice cars. But listen, if you're paying cash for the car, you can afford it. Buy yeah. the car. It's okay. It's it's okay to like nice things. I love nice things. You just got to make sure that you own the nice things. The nice things don't own you. Right. Ecclesiastes three thirteen says everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Now you've got there's other verses in the Bible too. You got to look at the Bible holistically. You've got to make sure that you know Proverbs twenty one twenty says in the house of the wise is choice food and oil. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says that I'm. Uh, uh, um, that uh, uh, a great man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So you got to think through investing. You got to think through savings. You got Proverbs twenty two seven: the borrower is enslaved to lender. Don't go into debt. But also, if you're going to take all those verses into consideration, you've also got to take the verse that talks about enjoy it, uh, enjoy your work. It's a gift, and uh, it's okay. So for me, in that scenario, I should have kept the stinking Cadillac. Yeah, you probably should have. But you can go buy another one someday. The Rendezvous. I, I think that would be harder to pull into the parking lot with. But, you know, that's okay. They, they, they it's just, good for my character. Yeah, oh, I'm sure, because it's three different colors inside and three different colors on the outside. And, you know, yeah. it's just, uh, I yeah, I sold cars for a lot of years for fun. That that would not be one. They, they rode nice. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, so the, the question then, yet another question. Somebody asked you, should, should I tithe all my money to missions or to church, or can it be split? You had another question on that. And and I, I love that. I don't, remember, I don't remember when I heard it. I didn't write the date down. But that's a good question, because people are like, well, am I supposed to tie it to my church or to missions, or can I split it? How do you typically answer people on that one? Yeah, it's very similar to what you just said about you know the, about what the tithing really is. And, and, and tithing is about, it's, it's about trust. And so you're giving that money to the local storehouse, to the church, and you don't have any strings attached to it. It's just trusting. It's returning it back to God. It's not even giving. It's returning it back to God for God to use however he wants to in the church. Now, if you if you give your tithe to a missions trip, well, what did you just do? The church just paid for your missions trip, because now the church has $500 less than they were already counting on, and they don't have that. So in a sense, they bought your missions trip. You didn't. So now you're not even invested in the missions trip financially. And so that's just, tithe is tithe, and above and beyond is above and beyond. And I think all of us have probably had a season in our life where we've justified doing this. And so so I was glad that this person called in, because he wasn't alone. But uh, no, tithing 10%, you are... You are cheating your intimacy with God when you move your tithing anywhere else besides where it should go. 
That's well, that's well said. You know what? I, I had a pastor once say, you know, tie to the place where you get fed the most and then feed the people that need to be fed with, with the extra. And, and it's such a challenge that we should be going ahead and, you know, we, because we always have a local body we're part of that, that needs that needs our tithe money. And boy, if all churches, if people tithe when they went to church, churches would never have any issues and we could bless missions even more. But I also had a, a guest on just recently that talked about how the fact that, you know, we give to missions here and we send missionaries from the United States over to the overseas. But man, it's so much more effective just to support a missionary overseas that didn't come from America because you get more like a 15 to one return on investment. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that completely. You know, you just hit on, uh, um, you know, uh, how much the church could do if everyone tithed. In 2009 alone, the church in America would have had an additional $165 billion, with a B, $165 billion in that year alone for kingdom work. I mean, that's a lot of shelters being built. That's, I mean, the government almost at that point in at least some communities, would not even be needed right. if the church was fully funded. And it's a lot of people making these little moves and saying, uh, uh, you know what, the tithe, I'm not going to tie this month, uh, uh, I'm not going to tie, uh, how much do I have to tie? No, if we just do it, then we'd see a totally different world. Well, and, and I love it, my, my wife and I, when we're dealing with these married couples, they come to us, they get, they're in debt up to their eyeballs, and they say, listen, I said, I always ask them, are you tithing? They're like, no, we can't afford to tithe. I said, listen, you will never get out of debt until you start tithing. And they look That's at right. you. They, and they look at you like you have not just four eyes, but like a hundred eyes, and you got horns coming out of your head. And I'm like, nope, yep. that's the deal. You, you've got to break the cycle of the hold of money on your life. It's so powerful. Hey, I want to ask you one more question. So we're going to stretch this segment a little bit, Andrea. You had somebody call in, and they asked you a great question. They said, "Okay, we've got the money set aside to do a kitchen remodel, or should we use it for the kitchen remodel, or should we pay down the house?" And you, so of- you got, so you got between a husband and a wife on this one. And I loved how you danced on that one. Yeah, of course, these are always a challenge because you're only getting one side of the story. And so you kind of dig a little bit and see what, what you can kind of investigate, what's going on really behind the scenes. And the biggest variable here is where they're at financially. You know, is this are, have they gone through the baby steps, which we talked about with the total money makeover? Um, and so you wanna, we want to teach, first of all, that they have, um, they're out of debt, out of consumer debt, that they've got three to six months of, of money saved that they've already started 15% of their uh, income going towards retirement investing, uh, that if they want to do some kind of college funding for their kids uh, for the future, that that's already started, and they've begun to pay off their mortgage. And uh, so if all of those things are in place and they're doing that and they've got some money left over, well, then there's some discretion and just make sure that you're on the same page. But I wanted her to know that from a real estate perspective that she's not going to get that money back. Right, you never do. Don't lie to yourself saying that it's an investment in your home. I just wanted to make sure she knew you are just paying for your time in the kitchen to be more enjoyable. If at the end of the day, if you feel like that's still a wise decision, then go ahead. But there might be somewhere in between. It was thirty thousand dollars, if I remember right. Yeah, it was thirty. Or, yeah, it was a lot of money. Yeah, you don't. You might not need the eleven dollar knobs. You might be able to get four dollar knobs. But, <laughs> but what's funny? Somewhere in between. What's funny is how many people do those remodel jobs and then they sell their house and they never got to enjoy it. I mean, if you're yeah. going to do it and you're going to stay in your house, do it now and enjoy it. Chris, I want to ask a couple of personal questions. Are you having fun with the radio? Yes, yeah. For me, I've always felt called to serve people and love people and, and, and spend my day with, you know, uh, producing impact 
for Jesus, and that's what's happening. And so, yes, I'm having a blast. All right. So, but there's in any new job, there's always that challenge of keeping a proper priority list. You know, with with our heavenly Father at the top, and then your spouse being your number one ministry, and your children being your number one mission field, and then your job. And, and now you've got this whole radio thing. And of course, the sooner or later they're going to make you start, you know, doing speaking engagements and flying all over the country and going to these different radio stations. How are you keeping all that in balance with all of this pressure? Uh, you know, the biggest thing is proactive communication, just having open channels, um, making sure that there's, you know, obviously trust there, open dialogue. Accountability, too. You know, with the trust, you have accountability so my wife can, if I'm getting out of control, you know, as far as uh, my workaholicism, <laughs> she would she can call me out on it. And, uh, you know, with all that open dialogue, I think, too, my kids are 10, 9, and 6, to have all that with them. And this is part, you know, I want them to be part of this. I want them to, so like, you know, this last weekend I was on Fox and Friends, so I had to fly up there for, for 24 hours, and it kind of ruined our weekend. But they woke up on Saturday morning, and they kind of, it didn't ruin my weekend, but it kind of ruined our weekend plans as a family. And um, they woke up on Saturday morning and sat and snuggled with Mom and, and watched it. And then um, I flew back by 2 o'clock, and, and we had had some family time. So it, it takes some open dialogue of how are we going to uh, plan around this. So. Mm. Yeah, it is an effort, and that's something I just uh, challenge you because it is. You got young kids; it, it goes fast. I, mean, I know that your parents have been telling you this, and your in laws have been telling you it goes really fast. Don't blink; it really does go fast. I mean, oh my yeah. word, does it go fast? So don't miss, <laughs> don't miss those moments. All right, so what's next for true for true stewardship? What's next for your show? What do you, what do you think is going to be the next big step for you? I actually don't know. I think probably um, it would be more stations before it would be longer. Um, and that's probably been the biggest challenge is, is every day, um, and that, that that's a challenge to make sure that I have we have something to produce value in people's life every single day. Uh, we want to we don't want to just have a show. We want to produce value for people. But um, yeah, it's probably more stations. Um, so we'll probably look into that. Um, so not a book. The book's not next. More stations is uh, first. The book's probably a few years out. Yeah, yeah. We're starting to look at some concepts now, but we want to make sure when we do it, we do it right. So it's probably an 18-month project. Well, you work for a guy that only does it right. He is he is the <laughs> marketing genius in this country. Anybody that really understands the scriptures and understands what Dave Ramsey has done for teaching people the biblical perspective on money and finance, he, he is a... a it's he's to be reckoned with. There's nobody that can compete with him, and that's fantastic because he's really using it to glorify the Lord, and I know he's blessed a lot of people, millions of people around the country. So, But they, they put that pressure on you, though. When you become a radio talk show host, they say, well, you got to write a book so you can be have notoriety. I'm like, really? I don't really want to write a book. But <laughs> So just how, talk about the perfect candidate for Financial Peace University as we head out of here today. Yeah, anybody with a pulse. I think it's anybody who who manages finances on a regular base, uh, basis, they, and that's everybody. Um, anybody who is struggling with, we've seen up to $500,000 in consumer debt, um, to somebody who has done well financially their whole life. Maybe they're 45 and they got uh, half a million in retirement and they're looking, what do, what do I need to do next? It's really anybody. Uh, I think because we have insurance sides in the, uh, lessons in there, we have mortgage uh, lessons in there, uh, we have all sorts of things in there that, that it's, it's very eye-opening to anybody, and it gives you the why. Behind, maybe some people are doing some really good decisions on instincts, 
but it gives the why behind it. So anybody. And that's the powerful part, the why. Not just do this, but here's the why, and here's the biblical perspective on the why. All right, you can find out more about Chris Brown's True Stewardship radio program. Just go on to stewardship.com. All right, we've come to the end of another I Work For Him show, and i got to do this really, really quick. We have a big, on our website, you got to go to I Work For Him tonight. On our website tonight, the I Work For Him nation flag is flying on our website. Click on the I Work Room Nation flag and sign up to join the I Work Room Nation and commit to praying for people in your workplace each and every day. Commit to being a minister in your workplace and let me know about it. Go on the website tonight, click on the flag. This took a long time to get out there, but we have a nation flag. Andrea, I'll be expecting you to sign up first. And while you're on the website, look on the top of the website. There's a banner that talks about all kinds of great big changes that are happening for I Work For Him on July the 20th. Click on that or go onto our Facebook page and just search for I Work For Him. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.